eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson, our guest today. Will Blackman, you like what you hear? Make sure you're subscribed to us on Apple, Spotify, the Odyssey app, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. You know, so you played with Josh, Will, and um, he's a guy that was like a high-profile, very productive player in Carolina and then had his struggles here uh, a little bit in Washington. Can you talk about why that's difficult for some DBs to kind of switch environments? And you've played in multiple systems and things like that. Like what sure. makes it challenging? Well, I think um, <clears throat> you're going to a completely different place. Mm-hmm. You know, he, um, I mean, when he's in Carolina, I mean, everything was like perfect there. You had, you know, McDermott, you had Leslie Frazier, you had, the, you know, the mm. Buffalo crew there running the defense. You had, you know, Keekley and Davis. You had an unreal defensive line. You know, you had, uh, I mean, they, they were a Super Bowl team. Yeah. And so... You had a lot, and they had like the perfect chemistry. That's what I'm saying. Like they had the perfect chemistry, the perfect perfect culture where he can just do his job on his side. And then, you know, when you go to a different place where it's a it's a different system, it's a different style. You don't have the same you know Hall of Fame players around you that you're looking for. It's it's a different place. And then you, a lot now the spotlight is really on you. You know, when you were watching the Panthers preparing for them, you're like, okay, where the hell is Luke Keekly at? Mm-hmm. Because he's the one that's wrecking everything, that's causing major problems. Now, like that wasn't that wasn't the case. So now the spotlight is really on him. So you know, in his first year, obviously people are still trying to figure out who Josh is, and you know, he made his plays. He you know uh, went out there and, and played super aggressive, and he and Josh worked really, really, really hard. Now the tough thing is, is how do you, how do you have an encore? How do you continue to have success throughout your your career when when you have a target on your back? And what you do is you have to, you have to beat other teams to the punch because now all they're doing they're just watching you. Like what do you do that is that is vulnerable that that we can take advantage of? And I think a lot of teams end up taking advantage of Josh's aggressiveness because he would jump a lot of things and so like you know. Like they were, I remember the Minnesota game versus like Thielen when he wasn't known. They ran a couple of double moves on him. So I think double moves was the thing where it's like, okay, he probably could have prepared a little more uh, where, where he could have had a, a, an outstanding career in Washington. And a lot of, you know, 
a lot of it too is sometimes when you bring in a high profile guy, I think, and, and he, he had a strong, he had strong energy. I think coaches too are afraid to like challenge him, mm, right. you know? And I think that's a problem with a lot of places. Like you get a high profile guy, it's like, Hey, we're going to let him do his thing. We're afraid to challenge him. And I don't think that coaches like really try to challenge him in a way that they should have now. And so sometimes like, and that's why like, I love when I moved to safety. Cause I got to the point where I was like, okay, I really knew, I really knew my guys. Mm-hmm. I knew Josh was aggressive, right? I knew I knew his playing style, so I was like, "Let me study to a situation where I can like try to help him shine when I'm out there." And because when I was when I was playing safety, I don't think Josh gave up one deep ball when I was there, back there at safety. Now we had we had a weird rotation where like you know I would come in on this situation, someone so would come in here. Like it was it was weird, but I just know when I was back there. Like a perfect example, I I think it was we played Cincinnati that stupid tie game in London. Um, oh that, god, dude! That was I was worst. on post game that game, just waiting for Were that you thing really to be just, over. Dude, I was, was sitting in the studio like, "Come on, really, bro?" Which I'm sure you were on the sideline saying, "Come on." Well, that come was on, bad because really? that's the game I fractured my thumb and then went to this. That's another story I'll get to. Anyhow, <laughs> I'm back, I'm, I know I'm back. It's funny. So I'm back there, and I remember like Cincinnati they were coming in these closet formation and run you know two stacks and they were on double outs. And we had a call. I think Joe Barry called. We were in a lot of cover three that year. He called cover three. And I saw the formation. I'm like, okay, there's a high probability they're going to run this route. Uh, double sticks. So I looked over. I was like, okay, I trust Kendall Fuller because he was a stud, young, super smart. Breland was, was playing super aggressive on his side because he was, I forgot who he was fighting with. He, he was fighting with somebody every game, right? Um, and, and then I knew, okay, Josh like wants to really make a play. He's covering AJ Green. He really wants to make a play. So I was like, okay. I looked, I looked at Josh. I'm like, bro. I said sticks are coming. I said just jump it. And it's cover three. So cover three. He has a deep third. Right. Right. And I'm pretty sure I got to go back and see it. But I'm pretty sure I told him to jump that route. And sure enough, that was the one where he jumped it and it hit him in the chest. He could have had an easy pick six. Uh, and so sometimes I would like a lot of times I would study above and beyond and give him certain things because I wanted to help him shine. Even though I'm like. Bro, you got to prepare yourself too, you know. So I just think for him, if he was challenged more uh, when he came over as a player, and also challenged more in terms of like just preparing a little harder, because he he prepared in terms of like he trained hard, he would stay after practice and do his drills, but just more so in the film study, because that's the difference, you know. You can, I played with Charles Woodson who who mm. barely practiced. He barely practiced. I mean, it drove McCarthy nuts because he was big on you got to practice. you got to be on the field. And there was a time where Charles didn't practice for like maybe three weeks. And he went out and got like two interceptions every single week. And they're like, yo, what is going on? But he was a wizard in terms of like the film preparation. Because um, once you uh, – it, it truly is. I, I tell – and you guys seen it. Like every when you get to the NFL, everyone is strong. Everyone is fast. Like, it's a league full of mutants. Like, everyone has some kind of superpower ability. That's why you're there. You know, you get to the league because of, like, your ability. But what is the difference is it's the mental part, you know, where you truly get to find some chink in somebody's armor, you know, because everyone has something, especially down to the coordinators. Every coordinator comes out and runs what? They do the first 15, and then they get back to what they do. 
and, and you just have to trust uh, that that percentage. Uh, mm. So I think if he for him, if he just did a better job prep, in preparation, <clears throat> he would he would have had a way, way more success. It's funny. I ran into Josh. I played in that that charity football game where Aaron Rodgers threw the football at the kid. I was I actually played in that thing, <laughs> which was crazy because he had a team. Josh Allen had a team. All these guys had like teams. And I remember he came over and he and I were talking. And Josh and I, boys, I don't care talking about Josh. And he was like, I think I want to like try that hybrid nickel role like you and Woodson did. I was like, you can't play that role. He was like, why not? I said, because you got to like prepare like crazy. I said, and you prepare differently. He goes, I study. I know football. I go, no, you do study. I said, but that's different. When I had when I played nickel, I had to know what the safety's doing, the linebacker's doing, the lineman doing. I had to know everything that's going on. Like, you know, and receivers had an eight-way go trying to cover me. So, oh, me trying to cover them. So, right. To answer you, to finish that long-ass answer, yes. If he just did a better <laughs> job pre- preparing, he could have had a, a, a way better career. But I would I want to put the all on him. I feel like he didn't get challenged enough. And also, like, Josh, just to be clear, like, he was always a great – I felt like a great teammate. Like, he might not – he could have worked a little bit harder in certain situations, but always, like, very oh, he was, cool uh, Yeah, he was room. outstanding, yeah. dude. Yeah. That's yeah. why he and I are cool, are cool now. Like, he was outstanding. He was, um, you know – Always super giving. Um, he took care of everybody. He was a real, he was a fantastic teammate, no question about it. Um, but in terms of like down to like the science, like he he could have did a better job preparing, and that would have helped him a lot. And so, do you think any of that struggle in terms of Josh applies to stuff you're seeing with William Jackson III at the moment? A guy who came from a very specific system, had some success there, and now is in a new spot. I know you don't know him personally, but you have played the position uh, at a high yeah. level for a long time. Well, he's reached out to me a long time ago. He was laughing because he was like, man, I used to use you in Madden. And I was like, bro, am I that old, man? Like, God damn, dog. You know what I mean? I think for – at the end of the day, right, the preparation does help you in terms of the confidence. By the way, I got, I got time, guys, so we're good. Um, it does help you with confidence. And I think him coming over, that's what things have, guys have to get used to. When you, come, when you are a, a big signing, you're coming over from somewhere else, like – instant target on your back you know um and i think for him it was just more of uh, i saw him like lose a lot of his confidence last year in terms of that and that does you do start to take more chances you do start to look elsewhere so he may have let's say he does prepare really well he does study hard all week and has a good game plan but sometimes when when the pressure's on the heat is on you you can do things uncharacteristic wise and I think sometimes he got caught up trying to do that. This is just my opinion. He, had, he, he got caught up doing that where he was susceptible to uh, giving up big plays. So, but, I mean, the, the ability is there. The talent's there. He just has to – and stop fighting with Pac-Man, dog. Mm-hmm. Like, leave him alone. Get back, to, get back to just football. Yeah. So, Logan, I would love for you to talk through some of the stuff that you saw in OTAs on tape and some of the, like, the very specific things and then let Will speak to what it's like to live that on the DB's end of it. Because yeah. I think some of the intricacies of what Logan saw watching practice, watching tape for you know a guy who was really successful in a man, you know, man-heavy scheme in Cincinnati and some of the intricacies of playing zone – um, are really interesting and, and were kind of fascinating from why he might be struggling from that mental processing side because he's still the same athlete. He's still phenomenally athletic, still has the same instincts, but applying them has certainly been a struggle. So, Will, you can speak to that from experience 
Logan, what'd you see in OTAs and, and last year and some of those common threads? Yeah, so I think the thing that stuck out to me is like um, he his alignment based on certain coverages seemed to be off. Like you mentioned the, the, the attached formations, right? He's playing those like inside leverages as opposed to playing just out, like shading the receiver outside and then off of motion. He doesn't get to, he doesn't like, let's say they're playing quarters. He's playing inside, he's playing outside from a full width split. There's things like that that seem like kind of uncharacteristic or mm. like not putting himself in the right place to be successful. And then the other thing you mentioned, which I thought was great, is when you were playing nickel, like you, and when you were playing safety, you had to know what everyone was doing. I also feel like he doesn't necessarily, he's not totally aware of like certain coverage concepts and how the safety to his side is going to play. And so what I mean by that is like I got to talk to one of the DB coaches here and they mentioned that they do, they're trying to adopt like the Buffalo coverage philosophy, which I guess is kind of by extension, the Carolina coverage philosophy from when Josh was down there of matching concepts post snap and how it changes how you match concepts, right? So if number two is a vertical stem, the safety kind of matches that a little bit differently than if they were taking like a 45 degree release. And he just doesn't seem like he's totally comfortable with his pre-snap alignment and then some of those adjustments within the context of the defense. And I understand that's a really challenging defense to play for defensive backs because the communication level needs to be so high. And so I just wondered if you, could provide, if you could provide any insight. Yeah. Yeah, in, in order, clearly in order for the Buffalo defense to work, you need two all-pro safeties because <laughs> that's, that's exactly who they have. Right. Uh, it's amazing how there. much talent helps. Oh, no doubt about it. But I will say that but they, they those two guys. Well, also, just sorry to cut you off, but Green Bay runs a similar coverage philosophy with under Joe Barry now, and they are, they're not as talented as Buffalo necessarily, but they make it work for that personnel. So, like, how could they make that work here? You know what I'm saying? I mean, that, in terms of the plays being made, that is debatable because, I mean, shoot, Joe, Joe B had a top five defense last year. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, they end up, they, they, they showed out. But I think at the, at the end of the day, it is purely about communication. It is truly about, because even if you don't know, like, if you, if you, you may know, but if no one says anything, now you have to, like, remind yourself. You know, that's that's the hard thing is what people don't understand is you you literally have maybe three seconds to process an entire week of information. You know, okay, let's say let's say the ball someone gets tackled, okay, we line up, okay, where's the ball at? Okay, it's on the you know, the the forty the plus forty five. Okay, what's the down and distance? Okay, let's say it's third and three. Okay, who do they have in the game? Okay, they brought in 11 personnel. Who do we have in the game? Are we bringing a nickel? Are we bringing in dime? Okay, now I know third and five, it's it's manageable situation, so we can get everything. We can get a run. We can get a quick game. We can get all these things. What's our defense? You know, or I, I have a – he already gave us what the possible calls for third and five, and so I have an idea of what it might be. Are we matching this week? So maybe do I need to, like, look for my guy? Am I playing left side? Am I playing right side? Um, you know, if we go base, I'm the corner. If I go, if we go nickel, I'm the nickel. If we go dime, I'm probably playing safety. So uh, <laughs> we didn't even get to the call yet. We don't, yeah. we don't know what we're running. Right. And so, boom, we get the call. And then, right, what's the formation? Because if it's empty, we might check to something else. If, we, right. if we're bringing pressure, it might be this. It might be that. If somebody moves like an inch, we might, we might change the entire coverage or we might change the strength. All these things, or, you know, let's say they bring in, like what the Rams do, they bring in 11 personnel and they put 
you know, the Cooper Cup in the backfield. Like that's yeah. we got three to four seconds to boom, 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 boom. And so imagine if no one's talking and I'm going through it like I just did on my own versus like that's why in most cases you have one guy who does the personnel you have one guy who does it down the distance you have one guy who gives the coverage that's the communication now we go are you out talking there about on, are you we, talking about on the field or are you talking about coaches from on the, the field okay on the field so the like i said the ball is dead okay yep. we come up you know one safety says hey it's third and five the other safety says hey this 11 personnel the mm. linebacker gives the coverage and then we we back out and then instantly because we were all preparing all week Guys are talking, and now like things are coming back to you, and you remember. Okay, mm-hmm. I remember on this certain play, this certain coverage, I got to be outside leverage because I know so and so is coming here, or I need to be inside leverage because he'll. Or maybe the safety's like, "Hey, on this play, like just play it like this. Trust me, yeah. play it like this." And because you guys spent time and study together, that so that's I'm telling you, communication. Because they coaches will always say, "If you heard it before, if if." One, if we mess up, make sure we all mess up. Make sure we're all. Yeah. If I call a cover three and you guys mess around, and play cover two. Make sure everybody is playing cover two. Don't have half the secondary is playing this, half is playing that. So, like that sounds a lot like offensive line play. And one of the things about offensive linemen is the longer the groups are together, the better they play. But when you look at Washington, for example, they've only been together for like basically a year and a half. How do you foster? that level of trust and communication in a group, especially when they've got young players. I mean, Kendall mm-hmm. Fuller's probably the exception, uh, but you know, like Cam Curl's not an old guy. Bobby, uh, Bobby McCain's only been here for a year and a half. Like, how do, you, right. how do you build that trust with that group? Is that coaching or is that just veteran leadership coming in and basically being like, hey, we gotta take this over? It's a combination of all the above. Yeah. Because sometimes, like, it, like the good coaches, they will, they will they will really make that happen, but at the end of the day, it's what happens like when you leave the building. Mm. You know that's that's what I had to learn in my first four years. Because e- even as a student in school, right, you're in school all day for eight hours, and you're like, you know, I just want to go home and put my books away, and I'm done. But I didn't. I learned okay. Then I come back the next day, and I kind of forget a little bit of what we talked about yesterday. And I learned, like, to be a good student. Okay, go home, put your stuff away. But then, you know, maybe spend 20 minutes and review your notes because that would just help bring it back before you go to sleep. And so that's the same thing I had to learn with football is, like, okay, once I leave, sure, take a break, take a huge uh, mental break from all that stuff, go about my day. But then spend, like, an hour and just go over your notes and, and, and watch, and you know, watch tape and just have reminders so that when you come back the next day, you know, you have you have a better understanding. And... You know, I think, I think right now in terms of who they have back there, it was Chris Harris, right, who who played yeah. uh, in the league. You did know, you he, play with he him? Understands. I did not play with Chris. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he under he, so he understands that, and I think he'll um, as long as he does a good job of terms of like expressing that, that makes the most sense. So, but again, it's his job to like give them the foundation and the game plan on how to do that. But it's also up to the players. To go about themselves and really and just talk, because because you have to you have to know the person. I, I go back to why is Legion of Boom the best secondary of all time? Because they were all best friends. Mm. They they you don't have to be best friends, but that's what made it work for them. They were always together. They all had insane, crazy egos. They were all brilliant. I got to spend like a summer with them when I was in training camp. They mm. were all super smart, super brilliant. 
Also, too, Chris Chris Richard, who's now in New Orleans, he like he led that room. He led that room, and and that's why it worked. Dude, the, uh, this is real quick. I know Craig, you got a question, but like for all the people listening to this, like that is the thing about longevity in the NFL is guys who are willing to do what Will just talked about, like just put in that extra time off the field to make yourself that much better. Like for offensive guys, it's just knowing the game plan. And it sounds like for Will, it was the same thing. So uh, that's so good to hear. It's so good for people to hear. Like there, it's not just go to practice and go home. It's, it's a lifestyle playing in the NFL. And I think Will embodies it, it, that. No, it really, it really is. And it took me, it took me probably five years to figure that out. You know, and my saving grace is I was I was a good special teams player and I was a good mm. returner. So that like that bought me time because I didn't do much defensively and I had a lot of injuries. So special teams, you don't really you don't really need to think, bro. You just go out there and you know you know your guy returning returner wise. I knew I knew if it was you know if I right doubled the outside middle. guys. <laughs> no, no, seriously. If we doubled yeah. the outside guys, I knew like my guy. I just want to know who my guy was. Yeah. If I was returning, we doubled the outside guys. I knew the personal protector was scot free. I knew he had a free shot on me. So I'm like, okay. Or if we did, you know, we doubled one side, ran seven box. I knew like, okay, the the gunner is probably the guy I need to worry about. So, so I just for people listening, who, who, like seven box, there's seven guys in the punt formation and then you're doubling yeah. one of the gunners and one of the gunner, gunners is single. And if you single a gunner in the NFL, that guy's usually as close to a free runner as you're going to get. So just for right, guys exactly. Yeah. So I, So that part I knew, but then... Um, you know, when it came down to actually studying and, and wanting to make plays. Because like I said, the biggest thing for me I, I learned, I mentioned earlier, was Charles Woods is making plays, but he's not practicing. Like, how the hell does that work? Yeah. You know? And, I, and that's I, I end up running. I try to go back and watch film one night, and I ran into him. He was actually studying, and he showed me some stuff. And, and the cool thing, too, about, like, once you learn how to prepare and study, like, it literally saves your body. Yeah. It does. And it was why? the same thing with London because Fletcher. London Fletcher was the same way. He wouldn't practice for weeks on end, but he would make every play on Sunday because he was in the film room just grinding. And that's Right. Awesome. It's two things. It's like study and stay healthy. And studying saves your body because now you're early. You know, yeah. if you're just reacting like, okay, this could happen. And then now I'm running full speed to try to like knock this play out or knock this dude out. And, you know, it, sometimes, sometimes it hurts me more than it hurts them. <laughs> but now... If I'm early, because I know it's coming, like, okay, perfect. D'Angelo Hall, when he was in Atlanta, he was playing with um, Kevin Mathis, I believe. Uh, and he was just like, hey, he told D. Hall, hey, I heard, the rumor is you ran a 4-1, you know, when you were training. He said, I ran a 4-5. He said, however, I'll get to that spot before you will. He said, because I know it's coming. And for D. Hall, he was like, that was a light switch. Like, I need mm. to start studying better. Because, like you always hear in the combine, I want a guy who plays who's a four or five who plays like a four or five, not a guy who runs a four or three and plays like a four or five. And it, it really is like, can can I can I get there quicker? Can I, like there's a time we we were playing, I think I was in Jackson. We played the Chargers. We were in cover three, and I was a nickel. Cover three, the nickel. He has the flat, right? They kept running bubble screens to. I'll mention another VTech player to Eddie Royal. That bubble screen is not really designed for me because I got to go to the flat. But we knew third and 15, if Eddie Royal is two yards off the line of scrimmage and he's to the back, mm. he's getting the ball. Interesting. I found, I found three clips that season 
where he got the ball. If he was one yard off, it was like RPO right. or draw. If he was two yards off, it was fake RPO, draw, bubble. And so I'm the one that told everybody that. But then when we lined up, I was like, okay, I got a bust to the flat. And I remember Jonathan Cyprian was like, he was like, oh, Black, third and 15, third and 15. I said, oh, shoot. I said, yo, third and 15. I said, alert. I said, I didn't say alert bubble. I was like, yo, guys. I said, guys, be ready, be ready, be ready, be ready. As soon as the ball was snapped, I just, I blitzed. Uh-huh. I just blitzed. And we knocked it back like eight yards. And the whole defense went crazy because we saw that on film all week. But that's you know it's I was I didn't I didn't just do my job and go to the flat. I was like, hey, if if I see a play, I'm gonna go make that damn play, you know. And that's when the right. preparation came in. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. I think that shows the not only the attention to detail of you guys studying too, but like why details matter on the offensive side. Like I'm imagining, like I think of the story that Jay told uh, on the podcast about how Crowder, you know, cheated this screen in this one Monday night game. I think it was that 2015 year where he's like, man, if he had just taken three steps instead of one step on the bubble screen, he's got a touchdown. It's the same thing. Like I doubt Eddie Royal was supposed to line up two yards off the line of scrimmage. His splits were supposed to probably be the same so that it, you know, it wasn't a tip, but you find that little thing on tape. And next thing you know, instead of the timing being right and, and you guys not knowing what's coming, you've got a deflection. But he has to, or, or he doesn't get the bubble. He has to be yeah. two yards, or he doesn't that's, get the bubble. That's the thing is there's a lot of things in football, like when you're running like a flash block across the formation, it's really hard to do that from tight because the O-line bleeds. So that guy will back yeah. up, and you'll hear linebackers after Kyle ran that for two years from 2010 to 2012, they would just start yelling flash and you can only do so many things from there. Like Kyle was smart because he'd run a keeper. He'd run different uh, pass plays off of that. But you try to break that tendency, but there's certain things you physically can't do. So like when you're catching a bubble, if right. you're not two yards back, you, you, you can't open your shoulder enough to get the ball. So it, it's – there are like – No, and, and, that should, and that play should have worked versus cover three. It right. should have worked because I was supposed to go to the flat. And, you and then they would have right? sealed, sealed the DN and then they would have sent a tackle right at me. And so I was like, screw it. I'm just going to go. You know? And that's, <laughs> right. oh, yeah. You well, know, like, it, it's one yard, and that one yard is enough for a 10. <clears throat> and I think that's what, that's like a great story to illustrate, like, how small the margins are. In this but city. that's what I learned from Charles. He said, Charles Wilson said, if it shows up three times, he said, he is jumping the route. He oh, said, if I love it shows that. Up on, he said, if it shows up on film three times, he goes, I am jumping it. I'm playing the percentages because rarely mm-hmm. are they going to do something different. If you, if you get there and it's, this play was like, it was third and 15. It's, you know, it's gun far, you know, bubble. Very, boom. If it lines up, just play it. Well, I think that's know? the thing, though, you're, you're getting there, is that it's a, 
I think fans think, oh, three times, but it's three times in a very, very specific situation specific. and yeah. formation. And then if you have both of those things locked down, like it's basically Bible at that point. Like you might as well, you know, take advantage of it. I think that's fantastic. I, speaking of Shanahan, I saw the craziest thing that Shanahan did when he was in Cleveland. This okay. is like, this is like me digging in the archives, being super freaking weird, man. I don't know if you can swear in this pause. I wasn't gonna wear. I, I swear a lot. I'll bleep it. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so, I so when I was in Jacksonville, we played Cleveland, and I always go back and I just try to find certain things. And at the time, they had Taylor Gabriel. Oh yeah. Who never who never got the ball, never got the ball. But when he did, he ran he ran a double move, and I'm mm. like, okay. But when when it when is he running these double moves? And I'm like, okay, double move. I'm looking, I'm looking, okay, formation, this form. And it was like a couple of different formations. And I looked at the clock and it was like, it was like maybe like 14 minutes and 55 seconds. Maybe it was, you know, 14 minutes and like, four, like whatever it was. Very, um... And I'm like, oh, this is, the, this is the first play in the second half. First play in the second half. If they get the ball, and Taylor Gabriel's out there. I was like, it is action because <laughs> he was never on the field ever. And so I remember we playing Cleveland. I'm in the locker room, and then we're going over stuff. And then um, they're like, "All right, defense up, defense is up." I said, "Oh shit!" I was like, "Yo!" <laughs> I call I I call our cornerback. I was like, "Yo, guys!" I said, "Remember the, the thing I showed you on Saturday night, like Taylor Gabriel?" I said, "Look." And a lot of guys heard. I said, "Look, if Taylor Gabriel, if you see Taylor Gabriel trotting on the field, you guys be like, don't even, don't even bite on anything. Just stay back." And so we had, I think we had base on the field, so I was on the field, but I'm on the same side of Taylor Gabriel and Dwayne Grotz. I'm like, bro, I said, this is it. This is it. I said, trust me. And so he's like, all right, like I'm not gonna jump it. Sure enough, bro, like ball snap. He does a stutter within the first three. I said, if you stutter within the first three yards, I said, don't bite it. Yeah. That's, that's a dead giveaway. And sure enough, he stuttered and ran a go, and the quarterback threw it anyway. Yeah. And then Dwayne Grotz almost picked it. He knocked it down. I remember a couple guys looked on the side and looked at me. I said, that's how, that's how it is. Yeah. That's well, dude, how it is. It's so funny because, like, having played for Kyle in that offense for most of my career – like, that's what his philosophy is. Like, in certain situations, he wants to take shots. So, like, backed up, most people want to, like, you know, quarterback sneak that sucker out. Kyle's like, we're taking shots. First play of the second half, we're taking shots. And that's, like, <laughs> yes. that's, that's who he is, you know? And so that doesn't, yes. like, change necessarily. Like, that's, that's, the style of shot will change, but that's what he wants to do. So I think that's great you picked that up. Logan, are you going to get a call from Kyle now that we exposed his one of his shot no, it's on opportunities? Tape. It's on, on tape. Yeah, like that's what everyone says. Like, oh, like apparently you're the only, not the only one, but you, it, it's hard. Like, it's funny though because like the way you watch tape, like I think sometimes people, fans don't, also don't understand how tape works. And like yeah. from the very uh, elementary level tape study that I did when I was a beat reporter, like I got to understand this a little bit. But like, it's cut ups. It's not like you're watching the game. So like the idea of game flow and things like that. Sometimes you just get lost because you're almost watching plays individually right. then you're like wait no you know sometimes you do get lost and, you all get the time and lost. so that that idea of like a timestamp is actually like way harder than if you were actually just watching the tv copy because then you're in the flow right. of the game because at the so, end so of to the, notice yeah, something like that yeah it's on tape but you got to know you got to actually have the wherewithal to be like wait where what is the pattern here? Yeah. right because at the end of the day 
the NFL is situational football. That's Love why. It. That's why Bill Belichick's always in it. That's why Tom Brady's always in it because they win the situations. Period. You know, if you if you win, you know, two minutes at the half, you win two minutes at the end of the game, you win third down, you red win zone. like you red, you win red zone. You're gonna you're, you're gonna your probability is gonna go up tremendously, and that's. I'm meeting with guys later. You know, I have some young guys in town uh, in the NFL. And a lot of things I do is, you know, you have all these trainers that they train on the field. I'm like, dude, there's only so many drills you can freaking do. You oh, know? dude, 100%. And I said, but what I do a lot of, I, I train a lot of guys how to watch tape. Um, because, as you mentioned, it's the hardest thing to do. Like you mentioned the full games. I didn't. I watched a full game Monday, and I watched full games maybe Friday or Saturday. Helps you get a feel but, for the how they're calling the yeah. game. Yeah, but in between, I I rarely Never. watch a full game. You just don't. So I'll I'll take you quickly just th- through my week. Right. Let's say okay, game's yep. over Sunday. Um, if it's a Sunday night game, I'll probably I, obviously I won't watch it and they'll go to bed. But if we have an early game, I might just watch the the games on TV. I probably won't even watch ours. And then Monday morning, obviously we'll review it. I'll probably review it before the team does. And then we introduce the new opponent, and then maybe Monday I'll start. I'll watch their last game just to like see what they did. You know, I'll watch it like a fan. Tuesday is technically is, is our day off, but I'll watch uh, first and second down because on Wednesday we're gonna go over first and second down. So I kind of have a head start what's going on, and then we go over it on Wednesday. We have practice, and after practice I'll review first and second down. Again, right? You go home. Let me review it for like twenty minutes, and then, and then on the same night, I'll preview third down because on Thursdays we're gonna go over third down, and then obviously same thing, right? We go over third down as a group. We have practice, and then I'll go home and I'll review third down. Or sometimes I'll come back to the facility. At Thursdays, I usually have like my DB nights. I'll buy food, and everybody comes. We all watch tape. Um, and then Friday and then Thursday night, I'll preview red zone, two minutes, short, short yardage, goal line, whatever. Then Friday, afterwards, I'll review. But Friday is kind of like the, I'll take the night to myself and, you know, go hang with my family, go hang with the fellows or whatever. And then Saturday comes. Now I already watched all the situations. Now I'm watching full games. I already have the call sheet. So now I play the game. I play the right. game. So, okay, first, second down. These are the calls we're going to run. So I match the calls. Right. And then third down comes. Okay. Third down, third and seven, third and 10. We're probably going to run pressure because they got to get the ball out. So I'll call those and then I'll just, I'll just play a game as the coordinator. And then it is the craziest thing, bro. You go out there on Sunday and you're like, dude, now, now Sunday's the easiest part. Sunday's the easiest part. I hate practice. Sunday's the easiest part. Now, in between there, I will sprinkle like certain things. Like when I was in Washington in 16, I played every position. So Perry Fuel had I had a matchup every week. So like one week I had OBJ, one week I had Greg Olson, one week I had like I had a guy every week. So I would chart and study those guys. Uh, a huge person that helped us was Aubrey Pleasant. Uh, I think he was one of Aubrey. The yeah, he's best, what is he? Best DC? second day. And DC? he's the uh, he's a coach and he's a DB coach in uh, Detroit. Yeah, yeah. Um, because he's the one that gave me all the info on OBJ. Yeah. Um, in terms of like. If OBJ catches the ball between the hash and numbers, he's he's scoring a touchdown. And he said that, and we were like, all right. He showed us like a three-minute clip of him catching the ball between the hash and numbers. 
and OBJ took that damn thing 60, 70 yards yeah. every single time. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. crazy. It was crazy. So that's the, like, it's, it's that long, but you have to, I tell guys, you have to train yourself to do that. You have to train yeah. yourself. So I remember one of my guys was like, oh, you know, OTAs is kind of, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's kind of chill and kind of a waste of time. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I said, OTAs is not a waste of time. Yes, you guys are running the basic stuff in practice and you get to move around, play football. I said, but this is where you, OTAs is when you get to establish your routine. This is where you get to train yourself how to study and you get to train yourself on how to stay healthy all week. Um, th- this is this is like, the, this is crucial because you're, you're done by 12. Yeah. You know, what, what are you, are you going home to do what? You know, do what? I caught up on Game of Thrones. I did that. I watched the whole damn thing in like, <laughs> like two days and i worked on a on a vineyard um we'll get to that obviously but this is where you get to train and learn how to prepare yourself for what now 17 weeks is during otas that's what people don't understand that's what people don't teach that's what people don't show you're like oh we're just here to practice and go home and practice like, no you 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 create your routine because once you do that that's where you you know you play seven plus years instantly yeah um one more defensive question, at least for me, and then uh, I know Robert Robert Griffin the third made a comment about this Washington offense that, that you have some thoughts on, and then I, I do want to get into a little bit of the wine stuff. But you know, earlier when we were talking about Josh, one of the other things he used to always talk about comparing the Washington days to the Carolina days was he's like I I could jump everything because I had to cover for two and a half seconds. Our pass rush was was that no good. doubt about it. So when you look at the current Washington D line. If Chase gets back healthy, if Montez continues to develop the, the group that they have, how much easier does that make your life as a secondary? And do you think this this Washington defense, much hyped, is is actually up to that hype uh, if if they can get the pieces back on the field? Bro, this year? I mean, what they got like six first round picks like up there, including the linebacker, right? Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, five yeah. defensive linemen, a second round pick from this year, and then the linebacker. Yeah, so five if you count the linebacker. So they're they've been Dude, busy so- for sure. <laughs> So the the talent the talent is there, the talent is there, and it's it's gonna be up to, you know, the the coaching staff to get them right. The talent it's, it's there, and again it comes back to pushing the guys, like really mm. challenging them and, and creating that kind of continuity. But it's also it's gonna be amongst the guys too. Like you guys are all first round picks. You guys are all paid. Like. Let's let's Figure get it. And when, when guys under, when guys understand that, if they understand this, this is any team, this is any team, this is any corporation, this is any partnership business. If we win, we all get paid. <laughs> Period. Period. Facts. Coaches coaches get playoff bonuses. If we all win, we all get paid in in some form or fashion. Whether it's the playoff bonuses, whether it's a new contract, whether it's opportunity outside of football you know me me using the fact that i'm a super bowl champ is a big deal me just saying that is a big deal sure i was the returner in that game you know mainly i was i did that mainly in special teams i didn't like having any main defensive plays but the fact that i play in the game i have guys who didn't even touch the field who you they use that it's you could put that in your profile in your bio for, for business a lot of guys have been super successful with that if you win it's all good. Like, everyone gets a chance. Like, look at, I mean, half the damn, pretty much all the D-line is Alabama. If you play for Nick Saban, they're like, we're going to give you a chance because you know what it looks like to win. You know what I'm saying? Right. Or back in the day, the, the Miami teams, 
Um, I, I remember Miami had a linebacker who barely played. I think it was like Leon Williams or something like that. But he like ran a 4-4, and he was a linebacker. And, you know, because you played on that team, we're going to give you a chance. Um, so that's it. I think that's all it is. Just, just, just be on the same page. Because that's what we had in New York when we won the Super Bowl. We had a, we had a, I think we had an eight-man rotation. We had an eight-man rotation on the D-line. We had O.C. Mignor. We had yeah. JPP. We had Justin Tuck. We had Rocky Bernard. We had Chris Canty. We had Dave Tolleson. We had, dude, we had all these dudes just healthy, fresh. It's, I'm so glad you brought that up because, like, when you look at the teams that are really good in terms of defensive production, like Seattle, they had, a, they had an eight-man basically hockey rotation defensive line. Philadelphia, when they yep. went to the Super Bowl, eight-man hockey rotation defensive line. You need that depth. You need those pieces who can take advantage of one-on-ones and make the whole defense right. better. So, yeah, I'm 100% on board with that. <laughs>